0: hello welcome to the worst girl gang ever we are proudly sponsored by the fertility method an online fertility preparation plan designed to offer everything you need to know all in one place
1: because starting a family is not always easy designed by fertility experts who are passionate about educating and empowering women to take back
0: control of their fertility struggles the fertility method is suitable for anyone who is trying to conceive or planning to conceive in the next few months Whether that's naturally or through fertility treatments such as IVF,
1: if you want to get your body and mind in top shape for a healthy conception and
0: pregnancy, then the fertility method is for you. Head over to www.thefertilitymethod.co.uk or visit at the fertility method to get your free supplements guide.
1: Finally, you guys can all get a cheeky ten percent discount by entering Girl Gang at checkout. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the worst girl gang ever. We are joined here by Louise, whose Instagram thingamajig, what's it called? Handle. Handle. Yeah. Is uh, lost motherhood, etc. So go look her up. She's got a yeah, glass of cool. wine. So you'll definitely want to look her up after we, after the interview's over. <laughs> on what she says. I have a bit of Sauvignon Blanc. Love bit of Savvy B. Ooh. Mm. Nice. It's great to have you in the studio. So Louise, let's start off at the very beginning. It's a
0: very good place to start. Mm, I led you into (laughs) that one. So
1: tell us what what has brought you to be a member of the Worst Girl Gang ever.
2: Okay, so about three years ago, um, I had my first pregnancy um, and it was a twin pregnancy and I didn't know this at the time, but apparently there's three different types of twin pregnancies and we had all of them are risky um, and we had like the medium risk one. And we were always told every single week uh, with scans that there was always a danger that we might not come home with both babies because there was always a worry about the growth being uneven. Um, So we were in and out of scans most weeks and we got through to about twenty six weeks, twenty seven, and we got sent back to the normal general hospital. And the first scan back there, they couldn't find a heartbeat in one of the babies. After no. we'd been through twenty seven, pretty much weekly scans of um, things evening out and getting better and being more hopeful, and then he was getting more worrying again. And it was just sort of constant up and down each week. And we fell at the final hurdle at 27. And they asked us to hang on for as long as possible for the surviving baby, who is my daughter Eva, who's now three and a bit. And she's here and trashing the house and driving me insane like any other toddler. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <man's laughs> We're it. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my first pregnancy story, sadly. Um but Eva's here, she obviously had to come out really early after that had happened at just before 29 weeks and she was in oh. the intensive care unit for nine weeks. I think there's a lot of uh, assumptions around prematurity that people make as well so I'm always really keen mm. to spread the message about that so yeah. we had everything we had multiple pregnancy a loss and prematurity within one pregnancy so that's why mm. I'm here that's me in a nutshell and then we've gone on to have the second pregnancy in the pandemic no less which was perfectly normal full-term happy and healthy so it's completely the opposite. So wow. that, and that
1: and your baby, is is your baby, COVID baby here? Obviously, because you're drinking wine. She's here. She's nine <laughs> years old, yep. Oh, wow. Oh, that's that's lovely. Yeah. Congratulations so, on, on your baby. Thank babies. you very much. So when, at the point where you were, you said as a twin pregnancy, there are three different types and you were the medium risk. What At what stage of pregnancy were you when they said that? How early could they tell that?
2: They could tell that at the 12-week scan. So the babies shared a placenta, but they had their own sac and fluid around them. So because obviously that's one placenta. Um, It's not unusual. It's just a different type. So the the best type, the lowest risk, is if each baby's got their own placenta and their own sac because they've just got their own little system there of helping them grow. Whereas my pregnancy, it's obviously a lot of strain on one placenta to be growing two babies. So that's that's why it kind of ended up going quite wrong because the placenta, it turned out later on once they did tests wasn't a great
0: one anyway okay. let alone to be growing two babies so so when you found out that the other twin had died how long was it before yeah. you had Eva so
2: they basically just sent you home um and said cling on for as long as possible for the other one uh which wow. was 10 days so you just go home and just make a cup of tea and uh, it, was, it was just such a bizarre situation Um, And we managed to cling on for 10 days. And then I, I, obviously what had happened to my body started reacting. I was starting to bleed and have contractions. And um, so I got rushed in and Eva came out a day before 29 weeks. Crikey. How did you just I can't even remember it. I think we just got, I mean, obviously this was COVID time. So we just got family rallied round and um, they basically fed us, washed us, um, made sure that we slept and and looked after ourselves and yeah that was it really. It was just basically survival mode. Yeah. It, it just it's just a blur. I can barely remember it if I'm if I'm being honest.
1: And were you able to enjoy any aspect of the pregnancy and birth experience?
2: Or was it no shit through and through? Yeah. Essentially it was shit through and through because I think the only time it was good was really early on. So we had like a six week scan just to see what was going on and they said, oh there's there's one and there's the other. It's twins. And you thought, oh okay. And I think if that's your first experience, you're quite naive and you think, "Oh, if they say it's twins, then you're coming out with twins." Yeah. I don't think you have any concept that one might not come home with you or both might not come home with you. Right. And the more I sort of found my online tribe on Instagram, etc., you, you realise that it's actually really common. But yeah, it was it was it was just crap from the get go from from that twelve week scan onwards because you couldn't guarantee or get excited about anything. So we didn't do anything that's normal and I call like the fluffy side of things of preparing and buying clothes and thinking about names and baby showers you know none of that happened like there was nothing nice about it it was just a clinical survival mode Um, and presumably you didn't even know at
1: this point you didn't even know if you get to bring either of them home did you because it was such there
2: was that chance that neither of them would make it Yeah exactly and then even when we did get Eva out alive and safe she wasn't safe for quite a few weeks because of being such you know she was so extremely premature she was like nearly three months early so for want of a better word it was just a total mind fuck. Yeah because also I think of this a lot about
1: people who are in your situation and one of their twins sadly dies it's a constant reminder isn't it your daughter is a constant reminder of what you what you don't have as well as what you do. And that must be such a fuck.
2: It is. And but I think maybe lucky's the weird word to use, but I kind of feel lucky that we could separate the two incidents. So because we lost that first baby 10 days before Eva was born, I separate those two events. So I can okay. separate the day, the day of that loss to Eva's birthday. They're two different days for me. So I don't see Eva's birthday as a sad day. I see it as Eva's birthday. And then we obviously mark the loss every year but they're two different things and that that kind of helps me I'm grateful for that in a weird way
1: yeah I can I can understand that that makes sense to me did you name your other baby
2: we did this is always a strange topic for me because um because of how late the loss was it was obviously registered as a stillbirth and, and you had to sign a certificate etc and obviously in like the raw grief and the fog at the time I didn't know that you if you wanted to you could just write baby and then your surname um, and we named her Georgia and I'm, I've always been uncomfortable with naming her okay. um, which might sound a bit odd and a bit cold but I just it, for me no, personally um, I wanted to view that loss as a late miscarriage and that baby is like a spirit that you know just come out of my tummy and into the universe and flown away into the sky that's how I want to see it um, and I, I felt like because of how it's seen in law and because of how late the loss was and just how the general like protocol is of bereavement care. There was a lot of assumptions of, oh, so you'll want to name her then and you'll want to dress her and you'll want to have photos and you'll want to hold her. And what songs do you want for the service? And I just I had to find myself advocating for my own views on that. But mm-hmm. I didn't say anything about the service actually. So why are we talking about a song list? And you know, it was it was really challenging to keep persevering with actually I don't want it in the normal way inverted commas
0: yeah wow that's interesting and I imagine that if you didn't have Eva you would have felt very differently but it must be just so bittersweet going through all of that and then having that little baby to take home oh Mm. did you feel
2: that
1: you had any time to grieve
2: um not not straight away because you were so focused on i mean you're on that NICU corridor every day for nine weeks so you were so focused yeah. on if eva was mm. pulling through and you know, hitting little milestones to get home and stuff you were so thrown into that but i think once you got her home then it kind of hit you as well um but yeah, I think I, I'm quite proactive in that even like the day that it happened, I can remember I came home and I opened my laptop and I found somebody to talk to. I linked LinkedIn with a bereavement befriender through a charity. Um, and I spoke to the NICU nurses a lot and I used counselling as soon as I could. And I'm a massive talker. It's how I kind of fix things in my head mm, and process yeah. things. So I think I, it sounds again, quite clinical, but I sort of saw the grief as, right, I don't like that, don't like how that feels and it's scaring the shit out of me and I want to feel like that over there. How do I get there? And I kind of made a little plan to feel how I wanted to, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, And just to process it a bit better. So I think I kind of went went at it quite, uh, quite... Yeah. And so
1: you, you say that you sort of made a plan, and I totally get that. We love a plan here. Mm. So, what did that plan involve? You said you mentioned that you phoned a counsellor and stuff, but did you do anything else?
2: Like I say, I found a bereavement defender through it was a twins charity. So, they used to be called the Twins Trust. I know they used to be called Tamba, uh, which was Twins and Multiples Birth Association, and they're now called Twins Trust. Um, so, they had a bereavement defender service on the phone and she was the first person that I connected with and spoke to and they link you up with people who've been through exactly the same situation so this was a lady who'd lost one of her twins and actually we're friends in real life now oh, which is amazing that's that's nice. um, so really yeah yeah so you know before the world ended we were out drinking wine and laughing and dancing and yeah so it, it turned into something really positive even though that's it was cool. the sad reason to meet so yeah I just I just found different ways really of and did you when you say out
1: I think you're. I think you're right in saying that your experience of not wanting to name your baby is is quite unusual. From from just yeah. from what we've heard, yeah. did your yeah. friend that you you met did she share your view on that, or, or did you have different views on that?
2: She had different because she actually had two boys um, at 28 weeks, so she had them both, you know, in NICU in, in incubators in front of her. Whereas I think okay. because my situation was we lost the other baby in my tummy. Mm. I could kind of separate it. Sure. Um, and I think maybe if we'd have met her, so if both babies would have come out at the same time alive and we'd have met her and seen her in the incubator, I think things would be very different. And I'm yeah. I'm fully aware that I'll probably see, see things quite differently.
1: Yeah. And did you feel at the time like Eva softened the blow of what happened? Did you appreciate that at the time?
2: At the time when it was raw, I found it really difficult because you had this image in your mind of bringing okay. two home and it it sounds horrendous but it kind of felt like you were bringing home a bit of a, like an anticlimactic situation right if that makes sense so yeah. um not but no one else made you feel like that it was in your head mm. and I think it was kind of that this isn't how it should be yeah um so it felt it felt really difficult at, at the time but then a lot of work that I've done through counselling is that don't use the word should because you're never going to feel good about the situation yeah. so if you're saying this is how it should be it's never going to match how it should be in your head whatever the situation yeah once the penny had dropped on that um I felt a, ho- a hell of a lot better with it and once yeah. you started getting those moments of joy as well with Eva, you know like first bath and first steps and like you just thought oh wow this is incredible and you could sort of really start to rack up the good bits, that yeah. brought
1: You, joy. I think this the word should is very dangerous. I think it, it uh. there's no such thing as should really because there is no should, like everyone's got to make their own decisions and everyone's feelings are their own. And you can't tell someone how to feel, can you? No, exactly, exactly. And how so, how's it been? Um, as Eva grows up, is it something you
2: talk about a lot or think about a lot? Or, um, I think because I naturally am quite an anxious person so it does kind of creep into my head quite often yeah. I let those intrusive thoughts kind of come in quite often but I'm getting better at stopping them and okay. challenging them and because I think everybody's brain can be quite naughty yeah, for uh, sure. it can, yeah it can sort of go go down that route of um oh let me ruin this situation for you so it, yeah. it happens a lot <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, oh you're happy let me ruin that um <laughs> so it's it stops you know I've I've managed to stop that in its tracks a bit better now um because what I've found as well is anxiety isn't the truth it just lies to you anyway so same happy situations like Eva's birthday you know anxiety might creep in and go oh but this should be like this and you think well no actually like I've got this amazing daughter that survived the odds like she's an absolute miracle and I can't wait to tell her one day how awesome she is and what we've got through
0: yeah
2: Um you know if you start you can spin everything on its head it's never not going to be shit and it's never not going to upset you when you think about what we've lost but at the same time what we've gained and what we've learned is massive as well
0: so yeah it really does change you doesn't it we did a quote last week and it doesn't have to be a bad thing you can embrace that because it does make you different person, but a better person because getting through all of that, like you say, is no mean feat.
2: No, I agree with you because I I can look back on myself before loss. I don't know about you, and I actually like myself more now. I think I'm a nicer person
0: for sure. Yeah, I'm
2: kinder. I'm more compassionate. I'm more empathetic. I'm a better friend. Um, it just it changes your priorities. It changes how you see the world. Mm. Um. And I know this might sound a bit Mother Earth, but it just completely changed how I saw pregnancy and being a Mormon. If you come home with a baby, that is, that is a miracle. And I just, yeah. it blows my mind that the stars have aligned for you to A, conceive, B, grow the baby and C, come home with it. Like Absolutely. It blows because, because of what went wrong. I now appreciate how it can go right, and I just cannot believe. I Eva can just be sat eating a packet of
0: pomegranates on the sofa, and I'll just be looking at her like, "My, baby going,
2: how are you here? Like, how did? You, how are you here?"
0: Yeah, it's we just, do that. Yeah, and I mm. often say to Scoop, "Do you think other parents do this?" And he's like, "I don't know. I mean, everyone loves their kids." And I'm like, "No, but Bertie is amazing. Look at him."
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Funny, oh, isn't? that is amazing. And does Eva have any concept of? of what's happened I suppose at three she you can't really explain that can you or can you
2: no um and I don't know when that moment will be um I'm sure we'll know when the moment comes but there was a moment when we were on Nikki with her and one of the nurses came and sat next to me and she said I just wanted you to know because I know that you're really upset about if Eva's going to be okay and like when you're going to tell her um I'm a surviving twin and I was like oh my god tell me tell me everything because I'm I was Mm. obsessed at the time of I can't have this effect either. Like I don't want her to feel like there's something missing or, that, yeah. you know, uh, she's half of something. I didn't, I just hated the thought of it. And this nickiness just said, uh, I was told that I was a surviving twig um, when I was about 15, 16. And it was really matter of effect. Like my mum just said, we lost your sister at birth. And that, that was that. And she said, if I hadn't have been told, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. I I wouldn't have felt this like missing piece. Or, um, and she actually had twin brothers as well that she grew up with.
0: Oh, wow. So she
2: and I said, I said, well, did that affect you? Did you look at them and think that I should have that? I only should know. And I just I just needed that. I'm always obsessed with finding I call them nuggets of evidence of yeah. why I'm going to be OK and why Eve is going to be OK. And that that to this day is still one of the biggest nuggets that I've ever found. because yeah. I just thought, thank God for that. Like this woman has grown up, had a happy life. It hasn't affected her, mm-hmm. um, you know, and she can now help someone else with that experience. And I just, yeah, that was a big moment. Oh,
1: that's, that's special. That she felt like that she could and should tell, should <laughs> that she could tell yeah. you that as well, and felt strongly enough to come to you with that. That's isn't that yeah. lovely? It just shows yeah. what like being open and honest and having this kind of freedom of expression does for people yeah. it helps mm. genuinely helps people doesn't it being, yeah. being brave enough to say do you know what this happened to me and and you'll be okay or this happened to me and I'm here for
2: you yeah yeah definitely and I just think like it's all I've tried to do as soon as it happened was to find other people who got it because you just you see these mums walk past you with a pram and you think for some reason you just assume that they've had a smooth ride and that yeah. everything's yeah. Dying. And then the more that you talk to people, like I've just chat to people in baby groups and you just think, actually, every, everybody in this room has got a story to tell. I don't think yeah. I've actually met anybody who's had a completely. Yeah. Yeah, it's mad, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's true. I mean, people either have fertility struggles or go through loss or have a really traumatic birth. Um, yeah. Or a little pain in the ass of the child,
1: <laughs> or even you know you see. I, I think we we are very quick as humans to see people and assume that they've had it easy. But mm. so many relationships go through a really challenging time around pregnancy and birth, and especially with young children as well. You know, b- babies aren't always born into a, a perfect mom and dad relationship, no. or you know, partners relationship that they were all fine and and the the stress levels of of this whole topic you know trying to get pregnant getting pregnant pregnancy loss having a baby having small children put such an untold pressure on relationships that you can it just shows you can never judge a couple that are walking along the road with a baby because they might be like this far away from splitting up or they might yeah. be there after eight years of trying or they might have fallen pregnant the first month and be completely oblivious to to this world that we live in but if that's true then they're lucky that's great
0: I keep seeing that image everywhere of the um like the iceberg the tip of the iceberg and all all of the ice underneath and it's so true isn't it and that's why we just have to be kind to everybody because there's um you never know there's another
1: one that I love because it's because it's um (laughs) it's a duck swimming along the water and it's like I can't remember what the caption is but it's very funny and it's like oh you can't see but the duck's little feet are going like fuck underneath the surface <laughs> but it looks so elegant like
0: yeah
2: swimming along yeah. that's what I get something like I've got lot. better with as well is with um like I call them twin spots so if you like you see you see those fuckers everywhere honestly when you've had a bad experience <laughs> with them they're everywhere so yeah. um supermarkets buses, high streets are everywhere so I, I used to really really struggle with that I used to floor me um I can remember once that I saw some in a baby group and I, I came home and I just, uh, I, I sat in the drive, like pulled the car up onto the drive and just couldn't come out for about four hours and just cried. Whereas now, Aww. um, now I can just see them and I don't even flinch. And That's I great. think it's what, what you just mentioned, Bex. Like it's, it's that perception of, if I, I used to see someone with twins and go, Oh, you bastard, you've got twins. But I don't know what they've been through to those Mm -hmm. twins. They might have been through five rounds of IVF. They might have been through, they might have, um, you know, had loads of losses and miscarriages and you don't know. And so I think it's, you know, it's important in my specific situation to not look at what you've lost when other people have it and assume that they, they've got everything. because of
0: that. We do need to be happy with what we've got. But I tell you, when you're in the situation where you don't have that yet and you can't be happy for what you've got because yeah. in your eyes at that time you've got nothing you've you've not got what everyone else has that's um it's a whole different ball game mm. for sure but anyway tell us a little bit about your last pregnancy then so you had the naivety the first time round like you say you had that 6 week scan and it started off nicely but obviously this time round you didn't have that
2: I just did as much prep as I could like with last time I just I made sure I checked in with my counsellor and even before we started trying because okay. I just said I want to I want to make sure that I'm ready mm-hmm. uh, emotionally and also just to chat through any triggers that were going to come up So I'm very sensible really sensible uh, yeah I'm just a nerd. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm just a nerd. I like to plan and organise even when it's emotions. So um yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just kind of checked in with her. So my trigger is obviously around um like the gestation. So getting getting past 28 weeks and getting past the day that we you know had the last and so just you know getting to full term would be a trigger for me. So we just talked about loads of different things like that and Basically, if I could have got a sticker of you're ready to have another baby, she would have given me one, I think. So you just uh, kind of have to, you know, it was it was just thrashing it out before I even started trying. because I didn't want to get pregnant and think, oh, shit, I'm not actually ready for this. Yeah. And not be men- mentally and emotionally ready. So, yeah, I made sure I was ready. And then I just kept using the counsellor as often as I could. And I kept using the rainbow clinic. So I didn't know this, but not every hospital actually has the rainbow clinic. No. And we were looking up that our local one did um, and it was the same consultant who scanned us in the last pregnancy so she knew all of our story and you know the gripe in this club that is, is a, you know telling that story over and mm-hmm. over again to professionals so we didn't have to do that which was fantastic she knew that we were absolutely bricking it which means a lot because I think if people can take that into account and give you some extra TLC that makes things a lot easier
1: yeah
2: um, because you obviously hate those appointments. They're not a happy situation. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was as good as it could have been. It's funny
1: that you say about your the um, appointments and stuff just not being anything other than traumatic and horrible and something you don't look forward to. Because I can remember when we went to our scan, one of us, I think it was our twelve week scan, and um we we're just leaving, and our next door neighbours knew where we were going because they they're, um, they help us out a lot with various things. And he said, oh, enjoy meeting your baby, won't you? And I was like, whoa, like I've never even thought about anything like that. I just want to go and make sure. Every, but you know, every other pregnancy, that's exactly how I thought of it. Oh, I yeah. can't wait to see the baby today. I can't wait to meet the baby. And gosh, it's going to be the last time I see the baby until it's born and stuff like that. But your whole world just ter- gets turned up its head and all you care about is seeing a heartbeat yeah. and yeah. knowing that everything's okay. You literally do not think about anything other than the medical side of things, do you? No. And it's no, just mad not. how quickly that happens with with yeah. a miscarriage and a or a loss. Yeah, and I
2: can remember when we were going for our scans this this second pregnancy. I'd have friends going, oh, my God, it's so exciting. Have a, have a really nice time. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, why would I have yeah. a nice time? Like, it's the shot. <laughs> and I just, I found myself, like, snapping at friends who were saying, oh, oh that's lovely. Like, how exciting are you going to go for a scan? Because I just, I find that, and I still really struggle with that. It's a lovely feeling um, of, like, snapping back at people who see it in the innocent way that I'm probably envious of.
0: Yeah. And yeah. do you
2: snap? do you is that something that you do um I I would send a message back going oh thank you but you know obviously like we we struggle with it so it would be sort of a a kind explanation rather than a snap but I think early on it would have been a snap yeah yeah Yeah,
1: but you feel like it's important (laughs) enough to kind of to to acknowledge the fact that it's not it's not okay for you it's not going to be exciting for you
2: yeah I think it's for me I don't know if it's just that I'm bloody minded um, but I feel like I have to sort of set my stall out with friends about yeah. pregnancy um because even if they know what I've been through they might not feel the same way about pregnancy and I just I'm so honest and like openly share exactly how I feel about everything so I just think everybody who knows me kind of knows now to not, to not address it in the, like as, as an exciting appointment or they'll just say oh you know thinking of me today I hope you're okay if you need me if you're nervous just You know, message me and that kind
0: of thing. So I think we all need to be a little bit braver at doing that. If it's something that's going to upset us, addressing it before it happens is like super important, isn't it? I didn't tell anyone when I was having my scans when I was pregnant with Bertie because because I didn't want anyone to wish me good luck or to have to message people afterwards to tell them whether it went well. I mean, I did, of course, every time it did go well, I messaged people, but it was on my terms, not theirs. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? No, my friends friends paid for a scan for me. Didn't tell them that I was having it done, which is really rude. And then we we went and had the scan, and he was sat in like a Buddha position, rather than I don't know that. That's how they explained it to me. That he was sat like Buddha, and they couldn't get a a very good picture. But I was like, "Is the heart beating?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "That's fine. That's all I wanted to know." I didn't get a picture, even after my friends had paid all this money for the scan I just wanted to know that the heart was beating fine
1: <laughs> I'm off did you um did you find out guys either of you when your pregnancy after loss whether it was a boy or a girl
0: no. did you
2: find out Bertie was a boy
0: no, no you
1: didn't, did you
2: did you find out Maria was a girl we didn't um and I think it was a definite self-preservation move um because I thought oh if we don't know the gender then we don't have to think of names and it's not a real baby and then you, you can't you don't have to make that fairy tale in your head that there's another baby that's going to be in your life and then when so, it goes wrong because I was thinking negatively like when not if when it goes wrong then it won't hurt as much which obviously it looked like logically is not it's not a rational way to think <laughs> but like it, you know it's <laughs> but it, it, it was a self-preservation move at the time I think to not find out Totes. because I thought if I, don't, if I don't find out I won't get attached which is it's that's obviously
1: yeah. never gonna happen like you're gonna get attached I totally first. get that you do that self-preservation stuff though don't you I think uh, everyone
0: does. Bex, why are you asking this question have you found out <laughs> no no oh, okay
1: just checking no. no I haven't I haven't because I think I like it didn't really occur to I, we wouldn't have found out anyway but it didn't really occur to me to care <laughs> whether it was boy or girl but also oh lord you maybe forgot what i was going to say it oh, might sorry. have actually been interesting i mean it's doubtful but it could have been
2: <laughs> it was what we're talking about before, finding out i feel like this is my fault because i went on to a self-preservation rant
1: no no no, that's what it's about so it's okay. about self-preservation i think that's so common because
0: preservation society yeah, there,
1: there. yeah we all we're all there we're all members <laughs> um because when I fell pregnant this time, I didn't even find out when the due date was until my 12-week scan. I did not let myself work it out. Because oh, I was really?
0: like,
1: I don't want to get invested in this because I, it will hurt me less. If, yeah. um, But beforehand, when we lost the baby, I was like, oh my God, it's due on the 11th of December. And that's like so near my eldest birthday and he's going to be 10, like just a few days before the baby's born and it's going to be amazing and then when i tell james i can be like oh it might be a birthday present it might be a tenth birthday and you think all these things and you've made up this story and you have this imagine imaginary yeah. amazing concept of what it's all going to be like and then when it's not like that you just it's another layer of like it, plaster mm-hmm. isn't it ripping off a plaster another plaster yeah. like and i remember thinking something and then being i remember thinking christmas not going to have to make any political shitty decisions because I'm going to have a newborn baby and everyone can just do whatever I want them to do. And I remember thinking about it like a month after the loss and Christmas got mentioned. I was like, "No, I don't have to worry about Christmas this year." And then I was like, "Oh shit, yes, I do." Mm. I mean, it turns out COVID saved my ass in that.
0: Respect.
1: <laughs> but no it's shitty just that. family
0: politics. <laughs> no
2: shitty family politics for me. No, nothing. Um, yeah yeah that's I didn't, another podcast in itself isn't it <laughs> yeah.
1: but it's yeah. just interesting what you do to preserve your sanity or heart or I don't know how you yeah but Laura you you've got a few coping techniques up your sleeve haven't you what for pregnancy
0: that? after loss
1: no for just self defense
0: and coping and strategies and planning. Yeah, they're, and... Mate, they're not healthy ones. I've told you this. What do as I say and, and, not, <laughs> and not as I do? I just withdraw, shut down, like shut the world out. But that's not what you should do. So well, it's not
1: what you do anymore. Don't say right? should. Don't say should.
0: No, no. Is, did
1: you get, I, I got, when doing um, my life coaching course, I got told that you could, you should, you should. You can replace should with could. It's not what you could do. You could do yeah. this. And then everything's a possibility, right? Definitely. Yeah. But you don't do that anymore, Laura, do you? You don't shut, shut the doors on everything when things get...
0: No, but then I'm not in a as bad a place as I was before. Mm. What do I do now then?
1: Well, you do a, a weekly podcast about baby loss, don't you? Oh, uh, yeah this is coping you talk you share you write you you bully me (laughs) yeah yeah those things make you feel better
0: yeah but I wouldn't be able to do all of those things if I didn't already have Bertie promise you yeah that's true
1: gosh so what what (laughs) does the future
2: hold for you then Louise well I don't know I mean people a lot of people ask on my account um would I have another baby I don't know if you gasp a lot it's just (laughs) I think it's um a really tricky question isn't it especially if you've not had a smooth ride so who knows that's think I said I never say never I think I would like to uh when the world opens again do something with my account I'd love to you know start to run events and connect with mums in the outside world maybe even hug someone can you imagine yeah. well steady oh, wow. on, um, and just <laughs> yeah steady on there um, sales oh, that... of deodorant will go back up
1: won't they no yeah. <laughs>
0: definitely. The razors definitely. and
1: deodorant will go up after Covid finishes yeah. Yeah.
0: and chicken pox but I just, not sales things of things chicken to do pox like... <laughs> <laughs> just cases <suit.
2: laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah just something around events and I'd love to keep writing just just something to reach out to mums to let them know that they're not on their own because I think that's just the biggest feeling the isolation after a loss um, I and because care. I think my experience was quite niche um I just yeah I, I just see a lot of importance in letting people know that it's not just you and you're going to be okay oh well it's brilliant it's been so
1: lovely to talk to you thank you so much for being so open and honest with us and um yeah well, I, I do keep in touch, touch myself. no it's great it's great that's what everyone needs to do it's just um well no, everyone can do what they really <laughs> well want can't they but it is nice and I think it makes it's it's a sort of therapy in itself isn't it just being open and honest and knowing that you help people yeah. by sharing your story is incredibly humbling for
0: sure hopefully
2: for sure. hopefully if it helps if it helps anybody it's been worth it
0: I'm sure it awesome. will yeah, thank I you for it. coming into the studio today yeah maybe you so we'll me. meet IRL one day and hug oh,
2: oh. dreams <laughs> um
1: laura you haven't mentioned your book for a while do you want to give that a quick plug i just only because i've just noticed it in the background of my <gasps> product placement yeah i know right I mean, i'm mean, not I paying you me for that for... it's only seeing it <laughs> still waiting for the money for the <laughs> photography i did for you
0: <laughs> oh steady on. on yeah buy my book it's on amazon
1: <laughs> hang on is it in the background of you've got a bookcase in the background of your shop Louise, it's, I I trust it will happen. You know what exactly. I've
0: done? I've, I've,
2: I've I'm that Insta wanker who's colour coded the books.
1: Oh, oh let's book. see the blue that. books. Yeah, it's not there, Laura. It's not there. <laughs> oh, awkward.
0: Charming. Oh, ouch. <laughs> oh dear.
1: Uh, On that note. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe we won't meet IRL and hug.
1: <laughs> you better get buying that book. Very unlikely that your podcast will get released.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, amazing. Oh, I just noted.
1: Bloody hell. Right. <sighs> anyway. Well, it was really we'll lovely to, to chat to you. And um, awesome. All right. Well, we'll, we'll chat to all you. All right. Then. We'll take care, one and all. And we'll speak soon. So for now. Bye! Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us, and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week.